0: Good morning. Really glad you're here this morning. I am uh, glad to be back in California. We were, several of the staff uh, took off Monday, went to a staff conference in Texas, in Fort Worth, Texas, and then I stayed over for uh, a couple of meetings, one on Friday, one on Saturday, that I was involved in, and then flew back, got into LAX about nine thirty last night, got a ride home, and here I am and I'd like to explain something about my face um, I, if if you if you're a regular attender here, then you'll notice a difference and so I'm just going to say this all at once, and so we just cover all the comments as we go along feel free to make them I'm not saying it's off limits but We 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 reached it I reached in. We. we, I reached into my travel case this morning and grabbed the the clippers for this thing, and uh, the guard had fallen off, and so I. And. I've done that. All right. Hey hey, I I've got someone identifying with me. I feel so much better. That just really makes me feel better, but. I, I honestly try not to change, now this is, gonna, this is gonna sound odd, but I try not to change my hair or my, this thing. Because, because it, it just, it destabilizes everything. <laughs> for you guys. And so I, I really try to stay away from that. And here it is. Uh, I, I just want to explain myself. When I go snorkeling, which is not very often, maybe once every decade, I have to shave. Because there's no seal if you don't shave, so this is my snorkel face. <laughs> so just in case you were wondering, all right, enough about that. We got we got stuff to talk about that's way more important than my face. Um, we're continuing our series this morning called "Built to Last," and what we've been doing is we've been looking how to build this life in a way that lasts. Uh, Throughout eternity that actually has reward here. It's a blessing here was the best life here But also we can build in a way That builds reward in eternity and we don't we don't tend to think about this as we're living our everyday life So we've been looking at different arenas that this applies to Uh, last week I quoted The profound lyrics of Kenny Chesney, everybody want to go to heaven, but nobody want to go now. And it's better than the other place. That's part of the lyrics. I can't remember exactly. It's better than the other place, but nobody want to go now. And we have this attitude of we we just don't know what's going to go on in the next life. And so we're hesitant to look forward to it. And we we don't factor it into our everyday lives. So this is why we're doing this series. To see what the Bible says about what's going to happen next and how do we factor that in so that we're building today in a way that's really going to last throughout eternity. And so here's a brief review of what we've looked at so far. The first week we looked at the fact that People live forever. God made us to live forever, and he gives us the opportunity to build our lives in a way that has a solid foundation in this life and reward in the next. So we've been talking about everybody lives forever. But if if you choose to accept Jesus Christ into your life and decide to go his direction, giving your life to him as Lord, then you live on forever with with God. And Jesus in heaven. If you, if you reject him now, he honors that decision. And you live forever separated from him in a place called hell. So that's what we looked at first week. Second week, relationships. What's the impact on relationships? Heaven is a real tangible place like Miami, London, Tokyo. Uh, it, it 's going to be the best of Earth only better, so we tend to see heaven as cloudy floaty, <laughs> and we don 't we don 't really know it 's going to be a, a tangible place, the best of here and now only better and what this means is we don 't have to have unrealistic expectations in our relationships where we try to since since Heaven is going to be heaven and earth is earth and nobody is perfect and people can't always come through for you like you want them to. You have more realistic expectations. You can let go of the unrealistic expectations and you can focus on the needs of those around you in a way that refreshes them and then you get refreshed. This is what scripture says. And instead of trying to extract your needs from them, which is a very painful process, like getting a tooth pulled or, or worse, at the dentist, you, you try to bless. We can look to God to meet our needs. We can trust him to do that and move on to, to, to love and serve others. The third week, we looked at decisions and how a clear view of heaven and what to expect next helps us make good choices and decisions in the here and now. God rewards the good that we choose, those of us who follow Christ. He he gives us the ability to uh, love Him, serve Him, love the people around, try to build our lives on the Word. As we do that, we're building on things that are going to last forever. And if we make choices... To do good in the here and now, based on those things God thinks are important to Him, then uh, a friend of mine says, In heaven, everybody's going to have a, a full bucket. Some buckets are going to be bigger than others. <laughs> and so our buckets grow in heaven. You know what? We, there's a reward. God, God didn't have to do this, He made us. But He's so gracious that he gives us this opportunity to live our lives in a way right now that builds reward on in through eternity. Last week, we looked at mission and how heaven puts our accomplishments in perspective and brings our life's purpose into focus. So overall, in this series, our aim has been to show this life is not the final destination. When it's over, it's not over. And this life is really preparation for forever. If you're a Christ follower, this life's the front porch of what God has planned for you for eternity as you move into your heavenly home someday, as you move on to the next life. Today, we're going to continue looking at uh, different arenas of life and how uh, the fact of forever Impacts uh, those arenas, and today we're looking at money. How, how does how does the reality of heaven impact the way we handle our money and our attitude we choose toward it? Money and forever are connected. Uh, we we can use our money to lay up blessing now, and to find reward in heaven. Francis Schaeffer, a famous theologian, said, "You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead." And so you, you really can. If, if we see this life as preparation for forever, then we view money one way. And there's a powerful relationship between our true spiritual condition and the way we handle money, the way we use our money. If you took, if you took a look at your uh, check register or your online tool for managing your money or your bank account, um, if you took a, a snapshot of that, that's like an x-ray into your heart. Now, this is a very important area. Jesus has a lot to say about it, and so that's why we're talking about it. If we see that this life is all there is, then we view money one way. If, if we know there's forever coming, then we view it another way. What you find in the Bible is that without forever in view, money becomes our ultimate security. When Jesus had his ministry on earth, he spent the majority of his time teaching, uh, going from town to town, teaching crowds of people, healing others, training his closest disciples. And he, he knew the hearts of people and what people wrestled with what they really cared about, what was really important to them. And he, he taught often about money because he knows the hearts of people. Fifteen percent of his teaching revolved around money. And he tried to help people see their money and possessions in a different way. Our money is close to our hearts. You know this. I know this. This is, this is what's right at the heart of who we are. Just like people today, he encountered many who placed their ultimate hope and security in money. In a moment, I want to read a, a, a story he told, a, actually a conversation he had, and a story he told that challenge the view of money of the folks he was talking to, and it challenges our view as well. But before I do that, I'd like to look at some common views of money that we have, and these views bridge across uh, from Jesus day to our day, and so we're gonna we're gonna look at these views. Uh, the first view we'll look at is called the pack it all in mentality. Uh, we want to buy more and more, and uh, it, it sometimes it makes us feel better just to get something, something more, that thing we really wanted. We we love to shop in the United States. Uh, In the U.S., there's close to 50 square feet of retail space for every person in the country. By comparison, in Europe, it's 2.5 square feet. So, you know, U.S. citizens, we love to shop. People who live here love it. We want to experience, we want to possess, we want to accomplish all we can right here and now. If we don't grasp the reward waiting for us in heaven by faith, We try to pack everything in right here and right now. And we have a tight grip on it because this is it. I got to get it all right now. The problem is we're never satisfied. And we get disappointed. Another view of money, common view, is more money, more power. This mentality comes from what we see around us and it's prevalent in our world. Doesn't it seem like the people with the money start, come out on top? Those who have the most money are able to do the things that help them climb the ladder in life. Um, you, you can use money to pay for your kids to excel, if that's academically. You can send them to the best schools. You can um, help them excel with tutors. You can, if they're into sports, you can find the best people to coach them. If they're into music, you find the best teachers in music. Those who have money can can help their kids excel. You can use it yourself to go to the best schools. So more, more money, more power to get ahead. You can get the best trainer so you look like a million bucks. Maybe the best hairdresser who doesn't leave the guard off when they're... Uh, the problem is influence and our well-being is a fleeting thing if it's only anchored in money and possessions. Because those things don't last. So the, the, the last common view I'd like to look at is the shelter security mentality. We can tend to live in fear because of the unknown future, so we use money as a force field. We try to, to protect us. Planning for the future and saving money is, is wise, but we can place our security in it and our well-being is tied to how much money we have saved. How much do we have stored away? We can have a great inheritance coming, solid retirement, strong investments, a big salary, but the problem is we're never secure enough and we keep striving to cover the basis. Have you seen any of these in your experience? Have you battled any of these views, wrestled with these views yourself? I I have. This, This is where we live. With these common views in mind, I'd like to read what Jesus said in a conversation with a man and also in a story he told to sort of match up these perspectives with what Jesus was saying in his day. Luke 12, 13-21 says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. First of all, kind of an amazing boldness in this guy in the crowd who rushes to the front and says, Hey, hey, Jesus. I don't know if he was thinking, Hey, I've got the Son of God here. I'm going to help him settle this argument with my brother. But anyway, he pushes to the front and... He, he, he demands that Jesus help him straighten out this family difficulty. We don't know how much the inheritance was. We don't know if the man had been cheated by his brother. We're not sure the details of all that. All we know, he had a problem. He wanted Jesus to fix it. Jesus solved this. This, this seems similar to the shelter security mentality, and, and he could have been, Banking on his inheritance someday that now looked like it was slipping away. And he wasn't sure how to handle that. So Jesus then told a parable that would get to the heart of the one who asked the question and everybody else around. Parable is a man about a man who had so much stuff he had run out of room for storing it and he had to build bigger barns for his stuff. And when all his stuff was safe, he could relax, drink, and be merry. This is the epitome of the pack it all in mentality that we talked about. The man didn't consider sharing the extra stuff when it couldn't wouldn't fit into the barns he had. He began to hoard it and to keep it to himself. Jesus closed out with a story in the story with a man dying unexpectedly. What would happen to all the stuff he had accumulated? It goes to someone else. The point of Jesus' teaching here was not to uh, be sort of like the Mark Twain of his day. He, he had some points he was doing, telling, trying to make here. He, he wanted to reveal how placing our security in money is a very shaky thing. And it shapes our thinking and our approach to using it when we do that. So he's trying to bust wide open the perspective of the guy he was talking to and the people who were listening by telling this story. He wanted people to think about life today from an eternal angle because you never know when you're going into the next life. You don't know when that transition is going to take place. And so we need to consider what's really important. In the passage, there's two, two main points that Jesus makes. First, our life isn't measured by money and possessions. And he said to them, take care, be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus provides a challenge and an encouragement in one statement here. You're more than your money. Your, your value is not connected to your bank account. You and I are made in the image of God. Jesus died on the cross so that we could know God. He paid a high price for us. And we're going to live forever. This, this is an incredibly high value. If you try to get your value from everything around you and you covet the things your friends have, you really want them. You know, coveting is the first slide down toward envy and jealousy. But if you covet the things that your friends have, you, just, you see what they have and you I, I want that. I want that. Then you're, you're not, your value takes a dive in that moment because you're in your heart of hearts you're not you're not as valuable as they are until you get what they have you have to guard against this you have to guard against wanting what others have and measuring yourself by what you own this is something we all wrestle with at the end of the parable we find out how to do this which is Jesus second main point being rich toward God brings security now and on into Eternity, But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Interesting phrase, isn't it? Rich toward God. Let's look at the meaning of that. How, how, how do we practically become rich toward God? how do we do that true riches come to those who invest their resources in God's eternal kingdom in knowing him walking with him loving the people around and building his kingdom to move his purposes forward on this earth in his most famous sermon Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So don't, don't do this. Don't hoard. Don't, it, it's, this is a solid principle based on the story he told in Luke that we read. These, everything is subject to the law of entropy. It's all wearing out, even our bodies So our our souls will continue forever, but our bodies are wearing out. I can attest to this. At 59, my body is wearing out. And we looked at the very first week of this series, we looked at the passage in 2 Corinthians 5 where it says our bodies are like tents for our soul. They're temporary. They're, they're not going to last forever. We're going to change into a glorified body, Scripture says, so we'll get a new one. That's going to be awesome. Don't know what that's going to be like exactly, but whew, looking forward to that. That's going to be good. But right now, it's wearing out. This should be a sign. This life and the things on this earth are not going to go on forever. They keep tearing up. They keep wearing out. They get rusty. They get old. We need the new version. We need the latest uh, example of whatever it is. It gets stolen. It depreciates. Flood happens. Gets burned up. Gets eaten up. And on and on. Jesus goes on and he says, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus lays out the most secure investment of our resources. Everything else is exposed to the law of entropy. It's all going to wear out. When I make spiritual investments of my, my time, my talents, my treasure in God's kingdom, and his purpose, living his word, serving the people he puts around me. I'm making deposits in heaven that will be waiting for me when I arrive. This is better than FDIC insured. It's better than a money-back guarantee. Storing wealth in heaven is, is really the only secure investment. And here's the great thing about God. As you live for him, as you set your heart on his kingdom, he says, seek my kingdom first, and all the stuff you need is going to be yours as well. We can trust him. I've seen him do that. Many of us have. God provides. Storing wealth in heaven is the only secure investment. And being generous turns out to pay huge dividends Not only in this life, but on through eternity. This is the opportunity we have as we follow God. There are many ways to use our money in a way that makes deposits in heaven and grows the size of our bucket when we get there. As we set out to be generous. One way is to give to Church in the Valley and help support the ministry here financially. You can support other efforts, uh, kingdom efforts that, that are around. You can give to, the, to meet the needs of the people as needs come up. Uh, you can uh, pull out the wallet and give money to help others out who, who truly are in need. Another way is to invest in others by hosting them, just having them over to get to know them, to aim to encourage them, to connect with them to help know them better, maybe build a bridge for them knowing God better. You can help fund efforts that directly impact outreach to those who don't yet know Christ. The real exciting part of giving to these things, giving to eternal efforts, is the long-lasting impact and how it multiplies and compounds like interest over time. This is what God allows. When you give to the general offering here, and someone comes to an event that you help support, uh, maybe they connect and build relationships with folks, they start asking questions about their spiritual lives, and they eventually decide to follow Christ, their eternity has been changed. And you, you get a piece of that action. You, you, you get a part of that, because you've given toward it. You're a link in the chain of helping someone come to know Christ and have a future in heaven. If you gave to the Christmas offering, you helped, you helped us exceed our goal of $30,000 for the Christmas offering. Uh, we gave over and above our regular tithes and offerings, and I think the final amount was over $36,000 that was given. And we give that money to various ministries. And to missionaries all over the world. And those folks are serving people. They're making investments in the things that really last. People extending God's kingdom. That's going to go on forever and ever and ever. Nothing is going to stop him from building his kingdom on into the future. So when we give to these things and people are pouring into to to the lives of people, serving and helping them, and then helping them bridge from wherever they are into a relationship with God to know him and be a part of his kingdom, they live on forever. We get a piece of that action. We can make an investment. And we, we receive reward. Maybe you decide to delay a personal purchase. You know, there's something you really want, but... A need comes up, you know about it, and you're wrestling. I really want that, that iPhone or whatever it is, and you decide to delay the purchase and give the money to meet the need. God's going to bless that; He's promised to. He He honors that. Um, maybe you use the money to take someone out to dinner and you get to know them, you want to help introduce them to Christ or maybe some other friends here at church. Over time, they meet others here, and eventually they yield their lives to Christ. That's an eternal investment. This goes on and on and on. See, Jesus is saying we can be rich toward God as we think differently about how to use our money. You can use such a temporary thing for eternal good. This is what Jesus is saying. Then imagine our children and youth here who are involved in Zone And the money we pull together helps make KidZone happen. All the things that go on there. The student ministries that are going on. Think about when those children and students come to know Christ. That's eternal. That, they're going to live forever with him. And we get a piece of that. We're in on it because we pulled our money to make it happen. let imagine some of the adults who come to Christ and some of those children, students who come to Christ, since that God is launching them, now we all, all the members of the body are men of we're trying to help. And some of us, you know, we, we have a heart to learn how to help people come to know Christ, how to... ...walk with Him, how to grow in Him. We try to grow ourselves. So think about all of us as we make the investment... ...and in learning how to do that more effectively. And the exponential compounding that goes on... ...as we're all pulling our resources together... ...we get equipped and help to really serve. This is really what's going on here. This is the heart of what's happening... The, those are just some of the compounding effects of the dollars that you give and the resources that you share as you invest them here and in other, other places that I've mentioned. The alternative is try to pack it all in. I'm going to try to pack it in, or I'm going to try to set it aside and keep it as safe as possible. might be a hole in your wall that you've you know hidden, or a safe, or you don't trust the banks or, you know, some really secure investment that you've found, you, you can try that. You can try to build your security on these things, but it's fleeting. It's never enough. This often disappoints. It brings tremendous stress in the po- process as you're thinking through. <laughs> is, it, is, is my money going to last? What am I going to do? Thankfully, there's another option. What a joy to know we can use such a temporary thing as money to make eternal investments. This is what Jesus wants. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where no moth or rust destroy. We can send it ahead. We can build a bigger bucket there. As I wrap up this morning, I encourage you to think about uh, how to respond personally to this. We always ask you to think through next steps because the the growth really is in the obedience as we decide to obey God with what we've heard, the truth that he's given us. And here, here are some suggested next steps that you can consider taking today. The first one, evaluate your current level of generous, generosity and think through uh, if you might need to Increase the level of generosity as you consider growing in generosity. It might mean starting to give to CIV, to Church in the Valley, increase your giving, save money, set money aside for helping others, for meeting needs, for hosting them. You might need to rework your personal budget to do that, to, become, to increase your generosity level. There's a tremendous amount of reward in this. That God's promise that I didn't have time to go into today. Uh, maybe you even explore some of the automated giving options we have, because it takes you know it, it takes the uh, emotional aspect as, uh, aspect out of giving. So we have ways you know you can do bill pay or you can go on the website set up a, a, a automated gift, and that way you've decided back here that you're going to give this amount. And that's what happens. That's, that's, that's a good thing to do. But as you do that, you're making an investment in something that has eternal ramifications. Second step would be to ask God to show me a perspective on my money that may need to shift. It could be looking over your budget, evaluating your spending, look at your investments, and think through what you're putting your hope in. What, what is it I'm putting my hope in? And there may need to be some kind of shift. Maybe God's spoken to you as I've been going through these passages this morning. And something's come to mind. You want to take a step to follow through on that. And then a final one is to memorize Luke twelve fifteen, And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. I'm personally grateful for that. Because I have all I need in the living God. He's given me everything I need. And it's not out there. It's in me. Because He Himself lives in me. And He provides what I need to do what He wants every day of my life. That's where real life is. That's where you find what you really need. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the truth we see in Your Word and how You really bless us by obeying you and following through to do what you've laid on our hearts. And I pray that, God, you'd give the power to take the steps that you've shown us to take this morning, that we might honor and glorify you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.